The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another live edition of the Work-Life Balance here on another Friday. We're so happy that you're with us. And uh, today, we, what we talk about, uh, thought we would talk about is negotiations, payment terms, and nightmare stories from a small business perspective. Why? Because, man, that is burning up inside of me right now. Uh, we had another fantastic week, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. Looking forward to some of our upcoming activities. I'll be in uh, Chicago next week. i going to actually get a chance to see Hamilton, see our boy Wayne Brady uh, tear up. Uh, Aaron Burr in Hamilton next week. So we'll be out in Chicago on the 15th. On the 16th, we'll be visiting the PMI chapter of Central Iowa out there in Des Moines. I'll be doing a lunch presentation for them. Uh, And then we'll be back in Chicago on the 17th. Uh, The following week, uh, the 20th through the 23rd, we'll be with the John Maxwell team out in Orlando, Florida. So all of the people that uh, follow us and listen to us through the John Maxwell group, Looking forward to the uh, IMC uh, certification event that's going to be going on out there. Uh, we'll be a part of that. Uh, Mike Stevens will be out there with me as well. So we're looking forward to seeing all of you out there. Uh, the 27th and 28th will be in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, 29th and 30th, we're going to be in Hartsville, South Carolina. Uh, the following 3rd through the 7th of April, we're going to be doing uh, PMP exam prep uh, class here in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Following that, uh, on April 12th, we're going to be doing a virtual summit for CA. So as you can see, very, very busy, a lot of events going on. If you want to follow us, find out where we're going to be. There is an events page now on rickamorris.com. You can also follow us through rsquaredconsulting.com and uh, find out where we're going to be and when we're going to be in your area. So let's get talking, man. Negotiations, payment terms, and nightmare stories. Look, if you're going to be running a business, uh, small business, big business, It doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're trying to produce if you're simply not going to get paid. And this whole negotiation game, man, what a game that can be. And and let's not not fool ourselves, man. It is a game. It is a huge game. And it's not checkers, man. It is chess. Let's, Let's be clear with each other. It is a chess match going on at all times. Look, I know... Of companies, there, there's companies out there that have whole divisions that do nothing but try to renegotiate or negotiate payment terms. And as a small business, if you're trying to to build your own business or try to get into business, if you don't know what you're doing around the negotiation cycle and, and understand payment terms and invoicing and that portion, you need to study up because. You know, you could you could devote. I mean, think about it. If you are a small business and you have one client and you've devoted your entire time to servicing that client and then you've invoiced them and they don't pay and they don't pay for 60, 90, 120 days, man, you're out of business. So it is something that people really have to pay attention to. So what I thought I would do is just share some stories and share some of the experience that I've gained over the last several years in running my own firm. And so let's just start talking about, you know, first, what I learned early. And I was so lucky uh, to be a member of uh, Xerox. And really, the division of Xerox that I was a part of was was kind of an offshoot of that. We were, we were uh, not a, a sub-company of Xerox, but we were a division of Xerox called Xerox Connect. So it was actually a different company that w- was bought by Xerox. So we kind of ran as a separate division. And what was so fun about that was that um, we were very entrepreneurial. So in a way, we were kind of running our own business. 
And what we got to do was kind of come up with our own solution. We'd go find our own client. We would then service the client. And we had an invoicing group. Uh, but the way my bonus structure worked was that, you know, I had to invoice and, and, and sell so much in revenue. And once I did that, then we had to collect. And what happened to us in our bonus structure, though, is that we had to work on what we call 45 days services to cash, which means that that revenue had to come in and it had to be turned into cash within 45 days of us performing the service. Now, once that 46th day occurred, if we didn't have that cash in the bank, then that revenue came off my board. And once we did get paid, then only 30% of that revenue went back onto our board. So it was a deterrent to us. So, for instance, if I paid 100, if, if we build $100,000 and we got paid within 45 days, that $100,000 stayed on my bonus cycle. But if, if it took them 90 days to pay us, then only $30,000 of that stayed on my board. So we were very focused on ensuring that we got paid. And I had a client here, um, there, there, there's an automobile plant here in, in Birmingham that's about a 45 minute drive from my house. And I can't tell you how many times I drove out to that plant on day 44 so I could pick up a check so that I could overnight it to our accounts receivable department. So it was in the bank on the 45th day. So I learned very early uh, to have the uncomfortable conversation. And it can be uncomfortable, but I learned very early on how to have that uncomfortable conversation to make sure that that check was, was in the bank on the 45th day. So I learned the cycle of 45 days services to cash, and that became comfortable for me. So when I started my own consulting firm, I wanted to stay within that cycle of 45 days services to cash. And so what we started to do at R squared was have a bi-weekly invoicing cycle with a net 30 of terms. So net 30 uh, is different than, uh, say, pay in 30 days. And so you have to be very careful with your wording when you're trying to set up an invoicing cycle. You can't say, uh, due in 30 days or you know pay 30 days from receipt or things of that sort. So uh, that's that's one thing that um, people will do with their contract. They'll say, well, the, the invoice is due within 30 days of receipt. Well, well companies are very, very uh, acute in, in how they word things. 30 days of receipt, well, you need to then prove receipt of the invoice. And so most people will email an invoice, we'll prove that I got it. So I have 30 days to pay it, which I then receive that invoice. Well, I could put, uh, you know, I'm out of the country. I can prove that I didn't physically receive that invoice for another 30 days. So now I can pay it in 60 and still be on time. So when you start working with net 30, what we do in our language is say you have net 30 days from the day that I invoice, from the invoice date. So I don't care when you receive it. You've got 30 days to pay it from the point I invoice it, and we invoice it bi-weekly, and we have an invoice date. That's what we put on our in, on our contract. At least that's what we start with. And then comes the fun part, which is the negotiation. So inevitably, uh, and for most companies, most companies say, you know, look, can, do you have any wiggle room or do, do you want to negotiate payment terms? And for the most part, we can look at them and say, no, we're a small business. We operate off of net 45 days services to cash. We, we've got to operate that way. We're, we're a small company. And again, most organizations to us say, hey, that's cool. But then you start to get into the negotiation cycle. And that negotiation cycle can get fun, fun, fun. And so we've had to learn a few tricks uh, uh, over time uh, of the trade. Now, essentially, when a company is trying to push that invoicing cycle out, they're playing with your money. You've already, in terms of services, and let's just stay in my realm, I'm delivering a service. I'm, I'm giving you knowledge and or delivering a service, uh, configuration, doing something. I'm, I'm performing a task. In, in that arena, I've already done it. You've already gotten the value of what it is that I'm trying to do. And in that arena, we want to go 45 days services to cash. Well, when they start going, well, can you pay, uh, at, can we pay at net 60? Well, what they're trying to do is compound on that value. 
And so essentially, they are now starting to collect interest on your money. And so what we start to do then is to play with that value. And so what I've learned to do in the negotiation of that is say, well, sure, if you want to go net 60, that's fine. But now I'm going to increase the rate that I charge per hour, right? Because if you want to extend the payment terms, what you're doing is you're holding the money that's due to me that I essentially could put into the bank to pay bills or do things like that that, that I want to do. And so if you want to hold on to that money, you're essentially holding money that's not yours and garnering interest in the bank for you. And so by extending that, there are companies, again, that have whole divisions that negotiate payment terms. And when they have these divisions, they deem that as savings to the company. So so when they're approaching this negotiation, they're looking at the initial contract term and they say, well, this company wants net 30. If we can get them to accept net 45 or net 60, we deem that as a savings to our company because we extended the payment terms, thereby we don't have to pay as quickly and we there save the company X amount of dollars. It's a crazy cycle, but that's what they're doing. So from my perspective, I'm looking at that going, well, if you're deeming that as savings, I'm going to capitalize on that. We've got to raise the rate in which we're going to charge you in order to make that an equitable move for me. If you want to wait to pay me, then there's got to be some sort of penalty to, to, to make that equitable for me. So it's this big chess game that goes on and on and on. But here's the kicker, gang. Here's something, and if you go out there and research this, one of the biggest things, and, and there's a huge study that's been done, and, and when you look at like um, sites like FreshBooks.com or Quicken or Xero, um, and Xero's XERO, they started to run surveys of small businesses and businesses, and Xero, they asked over 1,500 business owners for tips and tricks. And they did a survey also of 860,000 small business subscribers. So here's the kicker. Once you negotiate that, that, that term, net 30, net 45, net 60, here's the kicker. 60% of invoices are still paid late. And then more than a third of those are at least two weeks late. So even when you get to this, perspective of, all right, sure, we'll go net 45. We'll give you that concession of net 45. One of the things that I like to say when I'm negotiating is when I say net 45, to me, that means that is on the 45th day, that check is to me. Not that means net 45 is the day you begin your process so that you can run your check and so then it's in the mail so that 11 days after net 45, it's to me. Net 45 means it's to me, a payment term means it's to me on the 45th day. That doesn't mean you can start your process, but to a company, Net 45 means that's when we'll start our process of, of paying you. Unbelievable. So we're going to continue to talk down this track as we're going, but like anything else, I do have bills to pay, and we're going to let our sponsors pay that. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, 
where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. All right, so we're back on another edition here of the Work-Life Balance. And uh, we're talking about negotiations, payment terms, invoicing, that whole process. And, and, you know, look, that's a very, very overlooked item when you run a business and a small business. So what I thought I would do on this episode is just share some of those things and, and things that we've learned in, in running a business, you know, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years as I have. So, um, and we left off at, um, you know, negotiation of a payment term. And once that's been accepted, as we said, about 60% of invoices are paid late, more than a third or at least two weeks late. And what's funny to me is it's not funny at all, by the way. Um, but, you know, that that is so rampant that the companies just do that. And I'll go downstairs and be frustrated because, you know, I manage cash flow as a small business very, very tightly. And as a small business, you have to look at you know, paying your people first and, and making sure all of your bills are paid. And then, you know, what's left over as a small business owner is yours. And, you know, sometimes I'll look at my wife and I'll go, hey, things are getting a little tight. So the things that we were planning on doing, we, we've got to hold back. And, and she'll say why. And I'll say, well, you know, so-and-so hasn't paid. But, you know, if I'm one minute late on a credit card, bam, you know, that business will nail you. If you're you know, one day late on paying a car, you're 10 days late on, on paying your, your mortgage, you get hit with late fees and interest and everything else. So as a consumer, boy, those payment terms are serious. Credit agencies, everything else, man, you'll get nailed. But when you're business to business and they pay 30, 45, 60, 90 days late, and that's, hey, look, I mean, you try to report them and that kind of stuff. So one of the things that my wife asked me all the time, and it is something that you can put into a contract, but research it. One of the things that people try to do is to put late fees into a contract. Now, here's the thing. So one of the most wide, widely accepted late fee is one and a half percent. So if, if you research it, it says, hey, why don't you put one and a half percent interest into a late fee that compounds month over month? into your contract and that's a deterrent then the company's going to pay you actually it's counterintuitive if you look at it what most companies will do is first of all it ticks them off second of all if you invoice it man they're not going to pay it anyway i'm just going to go ahead and tell you if you try most companies will not pay the late fee they'll just look at you and laugh especially if you're a small business if you're a small business trying to play in the big pond they're not going to pay it third when they look at that there's other fees that they're looking at trying to get rid of. And a lot of a lot of that could be credit card fees. A lot of that could be other fees. Some 
of the huge companies, right? When you're doing business to business transactions, there's big, big companies that are often offering three and a half and five percent discounts on cash if they get paid sooner. So they're looking at that three and a half and five percent cash discount and, and saying, well, let's just go ahead and pay that. It's only one and a half percent over here to the small business. That's chump change to us. Let that accumulate. We don't care. It's not a deterrent to them. Now, to a small business, man, it is devastating to you when your invoice is not getting paid. But again, in the grand scheme of things, let's say it's a $20,000 invoice. That could be huge to you as a small business, especially if your revenues are only in the $500,000, $700,000 range. But a $20,000 invoice, say, if you're Microsoft, man, that's nothing, that's nothing. And so you get prioritized way, way down low. So you've got to be very careful in building the relationships around invoicing and things like that. So one of the biggest things that we learn to do as our deterrent, and it's been very, very, very successful for us, especially if you're doing project-based work or work where there's deliverables in, 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 in necessary, is our deterrent that we did was saying, look, if more than two invoices go past due. So again, our payment terms that we've been the most successful with is to invoice biweekly. So an invoice goes out every two weeks with a net 30-day term. So not, hey, pay in 30 days, because that's kind of saying pay whenever you want, but net 30 days from our invoice date. So now we're sending out an invoice every two weeks, and you have to be diligent about that. But then we put a clause into our contract that says, if more than two invoices go past due, then we have the right to stop work. We have the right to halt. Now, in nine years of having that clause, I've only really threatened that two, maybe three times. But it's very, very powerful. So we we put that out to a client and just say, hey, look, you've got three invoices past due, and contractually, we can stop work. Now, we don't feel like we should, but we can. Can you please give us an update, find out what's going on, give us a contact, let us know what's happening, that kind of thing. And that's been a very, very successful deterrent without having to put a 1.5% rate in there or get really ugly about certain things. Now, there has been one time where we had to get very ugly, right? And if you're already getting to that point where things are very ugly, it's probably not going to be a great relationship in the long run for the business side of it. But the point is, is at least we have something contractually that we can fall back on that allows us to stop work and not incur any additional fees that we know are going to get unpaid. See, if you're working on a different type of contract, and that's a big thing, you have to look at the contract. If it's milestone-based or fixed price or something of that sort, you still have to deliver the work regardless of their paying or not. It's very important as a small business owner to understand contracts and contract law. Just because there's a material breach of contract on one side does not constitute a material breach of contract on another. Let me explain that. Just because they're not paying their invoices does not mean you can contractually stop work. If you've written a fixed price contract that says you're supposed to deliver something or a milestone-based contract that says you're supposed to deliver milestones – If they have not paid their invoice, they are not yet in material breach. You cannot threaten them and say, we're going to stop doing work because they haven't paid their invoice, which means you still have to deliver all of the work and let them keep going and not paying you. That is a very important thing. And one material breach, even if they have materially breached their contract, does not constitute you the ability to materially breach yours. You can't say, well, you're not paying me. I'm going to stop working because you're still liable for that work. And it gets into a very ugly situation. However, by having a contractual clause in your contract that says, if more than two invoices go past due, we have the right to stop. It's not a material breach. It's a contractual clause. And having a contractual clause back you up just simply says, we will start work again once that's been remedied. It's a huge technicality, but it's a big technicality as a small business owner. And again, in nine years, I've had to enact that maybe three times, but the threat of it being there gives you the opportunity to help yourself get paid. 
Now, there's some crazy stories that follow that. But the point is, is that there's got to be protection. And a lot of small business owners have no idea what they're doing with themselves when they're trying to go in and negotiate with these big guys. And these big guys, again, have tons of resources that do nothing but try to figure out how, one, to extend the payment as long as possible, and two, at the end of the day, not pay. One of the worst stories I ever heard was, and I'm not going to name the company, but we found a memo and saw it in our hands from a very, very large Fortune 50 client of a memo of how not to pay your vendor. And it said, step one, act as if you didn't get the invoice. Step two, act, you know, tell them to send the invoice again. Step three, then tell them you didn't get the invoice again. Then step four, tell them that you weren't satisfied with the work. Then step five, tell them, look, you'll give them half of the invoice. Then step six, wait for them to respond again. I mean, it was one of the most ridiculous step-by-step things that we've ever seen. But essentially, it was the most long, drawn-out process to get them so frustrated that you'll eventually give up and take whatever you will accept from them. And that was a step-by-step guide of teaching their payment people how not to pay their vendors. Sometimes companies are set up to not pay you. It is an unbelievable practice. It is a not fair practice. But there are companies out there that are set up to not pay you. So you as a business owner have to be on the lookout contractually to watch out for yourself as well. I know it's not fair, but welcome to the real world. So when you're trying to do things like this, you have to look at each one of your contract clauses and not walk in there going, oh, everybody loves everybody. We're just going to get along. This is going to be a fantastic relationship. You've got to go into it going, I've got to have at least a couple of squares in my corner that's going to help me get paid. When we come back, we're going to share some of the stories of what we did when we got into these negotiations and just some of the weird stories that we had in our business. We'll be right back on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. 
To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. All right, we're back to the work-life balance. So we've been talking about negotiations, payment terms. Uh, let's get into some of the stories, although I do want to share with you just on payment terms for a moment. Um, what about if it's a privately held company? And, and specifically, so you've negotiated payment terms and you want to start getting into a privately held company. And a lot of times, you know, privately held companies, they really don't have the same rules. There's really not a lot of things that you can do in privately held uh, companies uh, to collect. So I'm going to share a little known fact for you, a little nugget of wisdom that most people do not know. In most states, in, in almost all uh, states, in, in so far, you know, I haven't obviously uh, uh, researched all 50 states, but in every state that I've had to pull this trick uh, in terms of having to go after companies that haven't paid me, uh, I've been able to find this. Uh, so I know it's in Alabama. I know it's in Florida, New York, New Jersey, uh, a couple of others. There's normally something called a Uniform Fraudulent Transaction Act. And so what this is, is a a small a protection for vendors against owners of privately held companies. And so here's how this works. If there is a company who is accepting money and is utilizing vendors, if they decide to pay themselves out of the business account, so they draw a salary or they draw something called members draw. If they draw money out of the business and knowingly have a vendor to pay, so they have a bill from a vendor and they knowingly did not pay the vendor first before they drew a salary or they drew members draws so that they wrote a check out of the business account to say pay their car or their house or a pack of cigarettes or something like that. That is the only protection that states really provide to people under this act. It's called Uniform Fraudulent Transaction Act. And when they do that, they're actually breaking the law. So for companies that are just like, you know what, I'm not going to pay these vendors. They, they've rendered services. I decide I'm not going to pay them and I'm going to shut the company down. I'm just going to take all this money I've collected now and run the UFTA provides you some protection in which you can at least use a threat to collect. And so here's kind of a story. It has really not much to do with business, but it's kind of a fun story to where I use this little known law to, to you know, provide some protection. But it had to do with when I bought this house. Um, and for those on Facebook Live, these blinds right back here. But when we bought this house, uh, we had contracted to, to get some blinds for the house. And so we had to put a down payment on the blinds. And then my wife realized that we had missed a room or missed a section, so we called the lady back uh, to to order some more blinds, and so we had to put another down payment. And so we waited and we waited and we waited, and the blinds never showed up at the house. And so when we called the lady, she says, well, we have really bad news. I said, okay, what's that? She goes, well, the company uh, that took the money for the down payment, uh, he went out of business. We're like, so what about our money? What about you know the down payment and all that kind of stuff? And they, she said, yeah, you're just you're out of luck. But you know, I'm with this new company now, and you can order blinds through them. And I'm like, now wait a minute, <laughs> what do you mean we're out of luck? Uh, we've already put a down payment. We've already ordered this. And so she starts to tell us that he was behind, I guess, and you know she was shocked as well, and she didn't get her commission, so on and so forth. But evidently, this guy was taking the down payments that he had been getting and trying to finance the orders of other people's blinds. And I said, so dude not only ripped me off once, he ripped me off twice. So I found the owner, found where he was working, and started to get in contact with him. And I said, hey, buddy, um, that's not going to fly with me. You owe me my down payments back. And, you know, he gave me the sob story of how his business or whatever. And I said, look, I don't care. Um, at this point... Um, I'm going to tell you something. There's something called Uniform Fraudulent Transaction Act. So if I find out that you are paying the bills or paying yourself or paying anything, um, which I can do through a subpoena, uh, dude, you can go to jail and you can go to jail uh, for up to a year for every single transaction that you took 
and a fine up to $10,000. So um, essentially, we're going to get our money back or you know, I'm going to go down that route with you. And amazingly, he found our money and sent that back. So it, it's a little known thing, but you actually do have some protections under privately held. Um, at the same time, I was working with another organization. They were privately held. And the same thing, oh, we can't pay, we can't pay, our funding's coming in, this is happening or whatever, but we were rendering services. This is the, one of the only times we threatened to stop work. And so we said, look, we've got three invoices past due, we're going to stop work. And, oh, please don't stop work. We've got to have this in. We've got a deadline. And I was like, you know, I can appreciate your deadline, but I've got people that I have to pay. I have bills that I have to pay, and I'm going to have to go service another client if you can't, you know, meet your obligations, which is paying our invoices. And, uh, you know, please, please, can can is there anything you can do? I said, sure, I can continue work once our invoices are paid. So we will pick your project back up once you pay our invoices. And, oh, there's just no money. And I said, now, wait a minute. When you say there's no money, let me let me ask you a question. And so sometimes, you know, as a business owner, I get very personal. And I said, so let me ask you a question. Do you have bills to pay? Do you have family? Do you buy groceries? You know, have car payments, house payment, that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously the answer is yes. And I said, that's great because so do I. And as a small business owner, how I make those payments is when my clients honor their payment terms to me. See, I do work and then I invoice. And how I pay myself is when my client pays my invoice. And when they don't pay my invoice, I can't go buy groceries for my family. I can't pay my house bills. And so when my clients don't honor those payment terms, I then have to go find a client who will. So I need you to find a way to pay me. And and it, it started to get contentious with this gentleman. I said, so let me let me tell you. And he goes, well, look. And he's the one that threw the card. It was fun. He threw the card and said, look, we're privately held. There's not a lot you can do. I said, well, there actually is. In the state of Florida, there's something called the Uniform Fraudulent Transaction Act. And I just asked you if you paid yourself and you said yes. So when you knowingly paid yourself and didn't pay me, that's an act of fraud in the state of Florida, which is punishable by $10,000 in a year in jail. And so every time you've paid yourself when you didn't pay me, that's something that we could actually prosecute. And all of a sudden, our invoices got paid. So it's fun to know certain facts like that. Now, I don't know, you know what the prosecution side of that is, what the prosecution rate of that is. I don't even know how far you could actually take that. But just knowing certain facts like that has helped me in negotiations and be able to get paid with certain with certain clients. So for me, it's been a very, very strong thing in running the small business. Then you deal with the big clients, though. And when you deal with big clients, we're the small fish in the pond. And we've had, I've had a horrible situation where you know, we had a big negotiation. We were all trying to get things done. We all kind of pitched money in. And they knew that our target was at 1.2 million. Um, they felt it was 1.1. They waited for us to ring up the charge to 1.2 million, deliver the services, and then just t- turn around and tell us that they were going to pay us 1.1. Now, to us, that's a devastating move, right? To us, because as a small business, that 100000 is a big deal. To them, that 100000 was chomp change. I mean, we're talking a huge oil and gas firm, right? So to them, it was that was nothing. That was just a, 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 a jerk move on their part. But to us, that was a big deal. And when you're working with something like that, they knew there was absolutely nothing we could do about it. Could I go after it? Sure. Could I cause a stink? Sure. Could I even try to sue them and, and win? Yeah, but I'm going to spend $300,000 trying to collect 100000 and they knew it. So there's times like that where you just kind of have to lick your wounds and go, okay, man, whatever. So you've got to be very, very careful when you're negotiating, writing things down, going after certain things, and, and you know, trying to negotiate these things. The biggest thing that you're working for is the relationship. So the greatest tip that I can tell you in negotiating payment terms and invoices and the greatest success that we've had is discussing the invoicing process 
on the, the day one of a project, on the kickoff. So now what we do is we have an on-site kickoff with our client for every project. And as part of that kickoff process, we sit down with the payment people and sit down and say, okay, what is the process? Who do we send the invoice to? Where does it go? Uh, you know, how does it get entered into the system? Who do we call if there's a dispute? Is it, you know, 45 days on the 45th day it gets paid? How is that, you know, because that's my expectation. So how do we make sure that's the way it's going to happen? Where did, you know, where do we go if there's a dispute? How do we clear that dispute kind of stuff up? And so just having that conversation up front is how we avoid being the statistic of, of 60% of invoices being paid late and more than a third going, you know, two weeks late. Most of ours are, are getting paid right either early or, or on the time frame that we're getting there. So those are some of the great advice. When we come back for our final segment, what we're going to do is, is talk about one of my favorite stories in negotiation and how if you have companies that get it and you have companies that really are, have a vested interest in both sides, I mean, a mutually beneficial thing is the greatest thing you can have in, in any business. So I don't understand the, the game that people play on companies on either side that, that try to rip each other off. And I've always hated that and why I wrote a book called Stop Playing Games. This whole business thing drives me nuts when people try to take advantage of each other at every cycle, every way. Uh, so I'll tell a story, one of my favorite stories, of where when you negotiate things on mutually beneficial terms – how exciting it can be and what it really can mean if you treat people with respect on either side. And we'll discuss that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development, to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance this week. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Rick A. Morris. Always look for the feedback there and love the people that follow me and uh, reach out about the show. So we've been talking about negotiations, payment terms, invoicing cycles. 
wanted to share two quick stories, one that was good, one that, was, uh, that wasn't so good. I'll start with the not so good one. Um, we had a client that uh, we, we'd started with and, uh, you know, we couldn't get them kicked off and we had no, no idea why. They just wouldn't get started. And uh, we finally went down and said, look, uh, we've got another client in the area. We can extend our trip. Um, help split some of the costs and get out there for you. They finally accepted that, and we sent our first invoice. And I immediately get a call, and they said, well, you know, we got your invoice. Uh, why is half of the uh, travel expenses on here? And we said, because, you know, we split the trip with you. Um, they said, you know, I said, but there's only one night of hotel because we extended the trip, and there's only half of the flights because we split it with the client. We thought that would be cool. Um, and uh, I said, also, you know, they said, well, why is there two people on the invoice? I said, because two of us was there. And that's exactly how the SOW was written. And I said, but look, you know, I never want invoicing to be an issue with you. So why don't you just pay us what you think is fair? Um, and, and let's just be open and honest and let's work through this together. And, and that's the way we want business to be. And so they did. They they took off some of the expenses. They took down some, you know, the, the second person that was with me. And so we went forward. So the second invoice comes out and they're like, wow, we, we disagree with how much time this should take. And I was like, really? I said, it took that long because, you know, you guys continue to call meetings with us and our time is valuable and that's what it takes. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't take this long. We're like, it doesn't take that long, but you called nine meetings, nine meetings times an hour. That's what it takes. And I said, you know what, guys? we should really be concerned about the value that you're getting, not you know so much how many hours are on this invoice. But I can already tell this isn't going to be a relationship for us. And that was a sign of the maturity of, of, of a business owner for me is, you know, years ago, I'd be concerned about the revenue. Here, I knew that we were already headed to a point that, that we weren't going to be successful. So I said, I tell you what, what you guys need is a fixed price contract. And they were like, oh, is that something you'll do? And I was like, no, <laughs> not with you guys, no way. Um, but you, know, you can find a company that'll do that. But what I'll do is go ahead and refund the money that you've spent on us. And let's just go ahead and exit cleanly. I mean, sometimes as a business owner, you've just got to recognize when things aren't going to go there. Revenue is not always the key. And what would have happened is we would have been you know, eight, nine invoices into that, they would have been unhappy, and then we would have ended up writing off all nine invoices. And so you've just got to recognize that. But one of my favorite stories is with an organization where things were mutually beneficial. So we knew that they had spent over a year trying to do something, and they weren't successful with another company. So they were very gun-shy in trying to get involved with yet another company. And when we pitched something to them, we were far less cost than something some of the other people pitching things. So they weren't quite sure that we could do what we said we could do. Um, and what was funny to me, though, is here we are less cost, but then they want to start to negotiate rate with me. Uh, and so they were like, yeah, but your rate. And I said, you know what? I said, we're confident we can do this. So I'm not sure. And you know we're already a lower cost firm. So I'm not sure why you're trying to negotiate rate, but here's what I'll do. What I'll do is I'll accept a lower rate for every hour that we're here on site. But when we deliver what we say we're going to deliver, when we say we can deliver it, then you're going to pay me the difference in our rate at that time. And so essentially what we were doing was negotiating a mutually beneficial contract that says, I'll accept the risk of a lower rate for you to prove that we can do what we can do. But once we prove it, then you're going to pay me what we're worth. What was interesting about that is that this was a go-to-market strategy for this client. And so they came back and they said, you know what? If you can do what you say you can do in the time frame you say you can do it, we will give you a, a higher rate. So they actually offered us $30 more an hour than what we were asking for if we could do it at that time frame. And they said, then they gave me like 300 additional hours. They said, if you'd come in 300 hours over what you say, we'll pay you what you're saying. And then they said, if it goes beyond that, then, then you stay at the rate that you're at. And it was one of the coolest contract uh, negotiations I've ever been through. Because at that point, I was like, all right, now this is very mutually beneficial between the two of us because – if we get done faster, you get to market faster, and, and obviously there's a financial incentive for you. I'm incented to finish it faster and with high quality so that I get paid better. 
And to me, it's those win-win type of clients and those win-win type of negotiations that really work. And by the way, I finished like, I think we were five or 10 hours over what we would have been, which I just ate that because that's, that would have been silly of me to, to, to not do that. But we finished within like 10 hours of, of, of what that higher rate would have been. And, and we got a very nice bonus check. The client was super happy. It turned out to be the project of the year for the company. And they went to market and killed the market. So they got easily 40 or 50 times the investment of what they put into us to, to be able to do that solution. And I just don't understand why companies don't do things like that much more often, why they don't look at somebody that, that's a small business that's got this unique skill set or, or whatever and say, why don't we, you know, share in a vision and, you know, if you do what you say you can do, you know, we'll pay you this, but if you can't, we'll pay you this. But it, it, instead of, you know, trying to squeeze every penny and every dime out of them on the offset so that it creates a contentious relationship as soon as it begins. Those kinds of things drives me nuts. So hopefully, you know, through this little ranting and raving that I've done over the past hour, we've given you some nuggets, either through Uniform Fraudulent Transaction Act or the 45-day services to cash or whether it's the, you know, making sure that if you go to uh, invoices past due, you stop work. Anything like that, our job is to share. If you like any of those things, please let us know on our Facebook page or at Rick A. Morris, or you can reach me at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Next week, we're going to have Brad Lomanick on, who does a fantastic job uh, around catalyst change and things of that sort. Uh, We were supposed to have him on a couple of weeks ago, and and we got rescheduled to this coming week. Uh, So we're very, very excited to have him on. Uh, Again, next week, if you're in the Des Moines, Iowa area, come see me on Thursday the 16th. We're going to be speaking as the PMI chapter out there. Uh, If you're in the Chicago area, come find us at the Hamilton uh, event. We're going to be seeing Wayne Brady at Hamilton uh, in Chicago. Uh, The week after that, all of my John Maxwell team members will see you at the IMC event uh, in Orlando the 20th through the 23rd. Uh, And then the week following will be in South Carolina. So please reach out to us. Find us on social media. Hang out with us at these live events that we're going to be at. You can always go to rickamorris.com, search events to find out where we're going to be uh, and interact with us on social media. And always, always, every Friday right here at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on voiceamerica.com. We love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management 